Hey guys, welcome to The Grow Shop Show, where we talk scaling without the bullshit. I'm your host, Mark Patchett, founder of Grow Shop. We are on a mission on the show to find out the growth hacks behind some of the leading experts in e-commerce. Let's hit it with this week's episode. Today we're talking to a very good friend and a very, very interesting guy by the name of Adam Jordan. So Adam has a social media agency, but behind the scenes, it's so much more and he's worked with, I was looking at your website just now, man. I didn't even realize who you'd work with to that level. It's like Revolut, we've got Chopard, we've got MasterCard, we've got Boohoo, kind of a lot of, a lot of the big swings, a lot of the big swings. So we met last November in Dubai and Josh Abbott was a guy that was helping out Grow Shop and he's a, he's a brilliant networker and I'd always bring a problem to him. So at that time, I wanted to get a lot better or as a company, get far, far better at building organic reach and building organic profiles. And I was like, Josh, I know you've got this guy that you've told me about. We're gonna sit down, let's have lunch. If he mentions anything about follower bots or any of that bullshit, he can get the tab, not interested. Uh, but then we sit down and he starts talking through what he's achieved and it just blew, it blew my mind. So Adam, if you wanna give a bit of an intro about yourself, man. Let people yeah, know of course. Thanks for having me on, mate. Yeah, so um, I run a, an agency called Social Kick, which is essentially like a, a one-stop shop agency for anyone looking to grow, monetize, and strategize on social media to make the most of it. So whether that's an e-com company looking to get more sales, whether it's a, an app company looking to get more downloads, or just an individual who wants to grow and potentially be an influencer in the space. Um, we pretty much cover all corners of what social media is and um, yeah, can help through, I think it's about, yeah, just over seven years experience now in the space, um, working with startup companies all the way up to uh, multi-billion dollar companies. So yeah, definitely got a, a wide range of uh, experience there with uh, the different type of companies. Amazing, man. This is going to be a fun one. So when I was yeah. when I was driving over to the studio in the Uber, I was mapping out what, you know, some highlights what we're going to talk about. So we're talking about doing organic social right, which is which is going to be interesting and you're going to hear some stuff you wouldn't have heard before. Difference between personal brand and business brand and a bunch of other stuff. But then I started thinking about it and I was like, man, this guy lives a really interesting life. So the the only times we've been able to connect are at different points in the world. It was Dubai, then it was uh, New York, then Miami, and then a quick one in London. And I thought about it and I was like, it'd be really interesting to share your story where you started. So Adam's from the north of England originally. And then I was thinking of his memoir title uh, on the way, which is From the North to Beyond, which is a... Uh, I love it. I think it's a winner. Uh, to be good, can you just share a little bit how where you started in the north and what motivated you to start exploring the world and how you structured your business in a way to, I guess, facilitate the lifestyle that you wanted? Yeah, of course. Well, going right back to the start, um, I was never the biggest fan of school. And I didn't know I had any type of entrepreneurial talents back then. It was only until it was actually my dad who forced me to go to college and take a business-related course. I realized that a part of that course, or so the biggest part that I liked was um, was the marketing side of it. So I ended up finishing that around, I think it was about four months ahead of everyone else. So it wasn't like A-levels, it was more like a, like a diploma course, whatever it is, but then you just needed the, the, those points to get into university. So realized then that I actually loved business and, and the marketing side of it and really started to spend a lot of my spare time looking at the marketing side of things. And bear in mind back then, 
Instagram was, was not the main platform. Um, Facebook was. And even then, it was it was quite early on for the whole process of social media. Um, this is back when, you know, even influencers weren't even a thing. Um, so when I went to university, I went to the University of Liverpool studying marketing because I didn't know what else to do. Um, I feel like a lot of people just go to university as a distraction because they don't actually know what they want to do with their lives, which is absolutely fine. I'm, I'm so happy that I've done it. Um, but the first year of university, the Instagram started to become like, um, like a competitor platform for Facebook. Um, I think this is before it was actually acquired as well. What year, but, what year was this? Oh, this was two th- oh, mate, 2000 and 2012, 2013. Yeah, seven, eight years ago. So this, this, is, this is OG Insta. And you're right, this is still when it was yeah. a separate platform and they're going, yeah, exactly. Not, there was no integrations. I, I think it was actually before Facebook actually bought Instagram. Mm. Um, but yeah, long story short, I've always been into my fashion and I started an Instagram page, um, which was a like a celebrity fashion page. I just found really cool celebrities uh, outfits and I reposted it online and it was called Men's Fashion Co. That's, that's how, that was the first page I ever created online. And with that, you know, I probably had about six months of posting once or twice a day. I didn't expect anything from it. This was before I even knew it was monetizable. It was before um, I knew anyone was even interested in the platform. I was a very early adopter of Instagram, which gave me a massive competitive edge. Um, so I was just taking in all this data, finding out different ways to, to grow. I was, um, you know, the space was quite small and specifically within like the generic viral page space. So I started to network and knew a lot of people. And then the I think it was about a year in, or just under a year in, um, I got to around eighty or ninety thousand followers. Oh, shit. And it was the first time a company uh, messaged me. I think it was called Gentleman's Box. It was like a men's subscription box, and they they sent me a message on Instagram, and they said, "Hey, how much do you charge for a post?" Mm. And I remember being like, "Wait, he wants to pay me to put his <laughs> things on my." And what's in the it was, box? It was, what's in this gentleman's box? Yeah, what's in the box? What's down to people? Um, I ended up saying I think it was around twenty or twenty-five pound for the first ever post. Yeah, and um, he came back again and bought another like five straight away. And I yeah. was like, hold on a minute. Yeah, if I've got a page and I can monetize it, that means that I can go to other people I know within my network and basically say, hey guys, if I actually bring you some money, can I take X percentage of it? and I can meet you guys an income, which they obviously agreed to. So that was the start of what the, the mini agency started like anyway, because as soon as I realized it was monetizable, I started to reach out to pages that were bigger than mine, more engaged than mine, were growing mm-hmm. faster than mine, and started to leverage their pages and then approach brands to advertise and you know buy ad space on these accounts. Mm-hmm. And back then, no one cared what they were promoting because the engagement was, was crazy, the following was crazy because the algorithm was so new back then and mm. it was it would just you could grow so easily i remember growing like easily a thousand to fifteen hundred a day on some of the pages huh. um in the very early days so yeah that's how the mini, mini agency started anyway mm. um do you want me to just flip straight into how that has kind of affected my lifestyle now and the, yeah. the freedom it's yeah kick it yeah kick into it because we've had a lot of fun chats often over a couple of brews where we talk about yeah. life, lifestyle design, essentially building a business to to cater to the lifestyle that you want. But in an interesting yeah. way where I've traveled a lot and met a lot of interesting people where they're like, I want to live in Chiang Mai, Thailand. I want to live in Bali, whatever it is. Yeah. I want to optimize to a really low cost base 
just so I can live this life. What was different about our discussions and why I think we connected deeply very quickly is that we both are excited about building massive things, massive things to the standard that you'd find if someone's just you know building a big team in, in major cities, but while still doing it with a lot of flexibility of location. So yeah, if you can yeah. share a little bit about, now we've talked about the North, let's hit to the beyond. So after university, when I started to really, you know, scale things up, um, while I still had the page, I, the only job I've ever had was a part-time job. I worked in a store called Bank Fashion. It was uh, basically owned by JD PLC, and it was just, it was just a shoe store with a few clothes and stuff in Liverpool City Centre. And the moment I realised they valued freedom more than anything was when someone came up to me. He was, he was the manager at the time, and told me to dust the shelf. And I was like, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't need dusting. I like it's it's clean. And he said, I don't care. I'm telling you to do it anyway. And that's what made me realize. I literally, I took my lanyard off. I gave it back, and I walked straight out. Yeah. And that's when I realized that yeah. I need to be an entrepreneur and I need to attain freedom because listening to other people and actually taking orders from someone yeah. that I don't agree with is yeah. it's not within my nature. And that's it, it's so it, symbolic, isn't it? That can be your next book: dust your own shelf. Bang, done. <laughs> Just your own shelf, exactly. You follow them today, mate. This is oh, great. Man, we're on, we're on fire today. We're rolling. Like, oh. yeah. it's, there's nothing better though, isn't it? Where there's there's like a power trip piece. It's not dusty. He's coming in with a command. He's got to feel like this managerial push. And the worst thing you can exactly. ever do is say that to to someone who has like the burning desire of an entrepreneur, even if they don't know it yet. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes that's the catalyst. And then it clicks. Definitely out. sped up the process for me, and it gave me a lot more motivation to take the the agency thing seriously and really try and you know earn a good income. But since that moment, I've always valued freedom over anything. Mm. Now I look at money as you know, just something you have to attain to get that freedom of time. You know, people get sometimes get me wrong that I'm always chasing money and I'm very materialistic with things. But at the end of the day, the only thing that the, the main thing I value is, is freedom, the freedom to get up in the morning whenever I want, be able to travel whenever I want and not be told where to be at a certain time mm. by a boss or whatever it is. That's that's something which I value yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm more in control of my life then and you know that's what motivates me every single day to continue to scale and continue to network and meet people who are like-minded. Mm. I think it's so important to you know surround yourself by people who are like that. I think um, a massive thing for me growing up was well you'll probably agree with this as well you are the average of you know the, the four the, the four or five people you spend most of your time with and I spoke a lot, uh, I d done another podcast the other day actually, and I spoke a lot about um, small town mentality and how um, destructive it is in early stages of life, mm. because it basically makes you restricted to the opinions of the people around you and their energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, freedom's always been the biggest thing. So to run an agency that literally I just need a laptop and a phone mm. is, absolutely incredible I wouldn't change it for, for anything I don't have any offices I don't have you know 10 20 30 staff members um, everything is flexible I'm built around my life the whole agency is built around freedom mm. um, and not about just scaling for, for profitability yeah no it's amazing man and there's there's this scales that I, I thought about because I've gone through lots of different periods in your life like you have where one it's to build things for the sake of just building them to be massive but where it started really making sense in my head was creating a goal set which says that I want to achieve X by only doing Y 
And for guys like us, we still work really, really hard, but it's towards a specific goal to achieve this type of thing. And the thing you're achieving could be monetary, it could be freedom, it could be a standard of living, but working out what you wanna do in order to achieve it. Then you start reverse engineering it and you realize that maybe I've gotta be changing my pricing structure. Maybe I've gotta be really specific with the types of partners I work with because I don't wanna be dealing with bullshit emails you know all day long i want to be working on projects that really energize me that are quite profitable that then means i've got a great lifestyle and it works out yeah that definitely took me a couple of years to realize in terms of the type of clients that i wanted to work with mm. so right now the way that we work is we'll only work with people who we know um will get on with and we have a connection with because if you don't have a connection with something and belief in a, in a product or service that someone's trying to offer and you're trying to advertise yeah i feel like I feel almost guilty to take someone's money for well knowing that something isn't going to be the best work that I can possibly give out. As well as that, going back to freedom, if I enjoy working with someone, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like I'm just exchanging knowledge with someone and helping them get to where they need to be. Yeah. And everyone wins. Yeah. So um, we used to, we did definitely did change our pricing structure. And I think as you start to get more clients, you do. Um, start to put your prices up, obviously, because you start to realize your worth and people put different values on your head. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about how you value yourself. You know, there's, there's plenty of times where I'm on calls trying to uh, close clients. They hear my price and they say, that's way too expensive. I could get someone else for two, three, four grand a month cheaper. And I said, okay, great. Well, <laughs> you're more than welcome to go with them. This, this isn't a bar. So this is, this is my price. This is what my time is worth. Yeah. And it's either a take or leave a situation. Yeah. Um, and that's really important. Yeah, I too. I that's really important. Yeah. One quick note on that one. So another big thing that has helped us and helped me through, through building all of this is impact pricing. So then we started finding people that we knew that the amount that we would charge, which often seems like a lot to certain people, uh, needed to be X percent of whatever their total revenue is so that we knew if we could even improve things by 5%, we easily pay for ourselves easily pay for ourselves and you're right and you start yeah. gathering that from the discussion and there's like two different bits one is what's the the level of the business at and can you easily pay for yourself and drive a positive roi but then the other bit that i was thinking about when you were sharing talking with clients i almost uh, subconsciously oh no it's actually i'm very conscious about this doing like mini myers briggs when i'm talking to people i'm like how are we how are we going to get along how are we going to be communicating do we see the world in the same way? So it's like, can you can you easily drive the right level of impact to pay for your services where it makes sense for them? And are you going to have fun doing it? Yeah, I think a lot of people do get caught up on just get the money and get the money and get the money in. And yeah. the issue with that is you're not given 100 percent of what you are and you're what you what you're capable of doing for a client. Yeah. So you're then going to put strain on a relationship with them, but also you're not going to have great case studies moving forward and on the results in which, you know, because at the end of the day, when, when people work with us, and it's the same for the majority of people, they're going to look at previous work, they're going to look at previous case studies, yeah. and they'll want to know who you've worked with, what they're saying about you, and what the results are that you've, you've driven, whether it's getting someone 100,000 app downloads or growing someone 20,000 followers. I think yeah, that's yeah. one thing about my space is, and I'm very unique about my agency, the KPIs differ every single client. Mm. So we do a tailored service for everything. So we don't come in and say, we only do this, we only do this. It's you let me know exactly what you need and we'll come up with something, you know? Yeah. I think of Social Kick more as a, like a boutique agency. Yeah. 
than something which is mass, mass, mass scale, helping you know hundreds of people at, at one given time. So yeah. yeah, that's the way I like to look at it. Yeah, which is really important too, because we've got our methodology at, and you know, at the end of the day, it's about growing things and it's about driving revenue and it's about achieving that with a certain level of efficiency, but then other people perceive it differently. So we, all, we often have to kind of meet in the middle where we never change the outcome of what we want to drive, but we communicate it in different ways. And sometimes someone's communicating or, or reporting to a CMO or a CEO, and that executive suite may want to see certain types of numbers. So we, we help ensure that we give them what they need to communicate it upwards. Yeah, really important. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting yeah. as well. Um, Please. Working with, say, a startup company compared to you know, a, a big company that has got different levels of hierarchy that you have to go through as well. Yeah. Um, I personally prefer working with the smaller companies because it's so much easier to get creative ideas through. It's so much easier to press the go button if, the, if something pops up because the social media world changes so, so quickly. And, you know, it could be a couple of hours in it to get something out there which could potentially go viral or create x amount of sales and yeah, yeah. yeah with the larger companies i find it um quite difficult to get that creative approval yeah. <laughs> within a certain time frame which is needed yeah it's painful and then just the limitations the limitations they're like that comma's in the wrong spot i'm like man come on it took you two days to tell me that let's get this shit live <laughs> uh so let's let's go into the to this bit which is which is very fun so Adam, Adam has a, a really strong following himself, and without you know needing to swing an appendage, it's like a it's like 140k. But what was fascinating uh, about Adam's story about building this is I remember he was breaking it down through Dubai, and we were talking about the importance of personal brand. I was like, man, I don't, I don't like that shit. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And you helped me really understand the value of it. Uh, but there's also a lot of fun stuff that comes out of it, and it's much more than just like a high count of like a vanity metric and there's like the leverage of, of cool stuff that you can do so we're sitting down there we had a really fun meeting i'm like man we're in dubai let's get some lambos and you're like i got it i know a guy and then within a couple of seconds uh adam had helped boost the profile of one of the rental companies and then and then the next day we've got like a a true a true it's, it's just the wankiest color in the world wasn't it but it was brilliant it was like a bright electric blue lamborghini rolls up and there's a mclaren as well uh, and I, I was blown away and I was like, this guy's just making this, making this shit happen and it makes it actually really affordable. Uh, so can you share a little bit about some of the stuff that happens behind the scenes and I guess the secondary value that happens from having this type of tactically built high quality following? Yeah, you know, as, as well as business leads, which is always the main focus for anyone's personal brand. For me, I was focused so much over the last couple of years of building my clients, not myself. So this year is really uh, the time for me where I'm going to be boosting that myself and really spend a lot of time and effort on the content and you know, uh, giving out value-driven content because that's something in which um, you know I, I gave people very cool pieces of content, but with very little context for what's actually going on, and I feel like that's not always the way to go about it. However, growing a personal brand definitely does have its benefits away from business. Um, <laughs> If you network right with the right people, you can make pretty much anything happen within within reason. If you're a good negotiator and you're a good communicator, I feel like as long as you've got a strong following and a very clean page with good quality content, you can leverage that for things like, and this is just an example from this year alone, um, free hotel stays, 
free meals at restaurants, free Lamborghinis when I'm in Dubai. It's all the, the whole of the social media world is a value exchange. Mm. And as long as you can offer value to someone and you can get it back mm. and they know your worth, you know, having a big following just automatically shows people that you know exactly what you're doing. You, you know, people can go on my profile and easily see I travel the world. You know, I do cool things. I create good content. Um, so for that in itself, that's so important. I think when trying to actually negotiate and leverage your personal brand away from just the business aspects of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've had a lot of fun over the years with hotels and cars and yeah. uh, discounts in certain places and, you know, getting tickets that aren't out there. And yeah. um, the exposure is great. It really is. Um, I think a lot of people get lost with personal brands because they'll get so caught up in what we call the vanity metrics, which is the followers and the likes and not what the actual conversion of those are, which is, you know, the, the end goal is always to monetize and, you know, grow and scale your following anyway. But a lot of people get so um, focused in on likes and engagement. And the thing is with that, Instagram's not the same every single day. Mm -hmm. I'm talking specifically on Instagram here because I could talk about five or six different platforms, but obviously Instagram's where the majority of my uh, experience is. One day you could get a thousand likes, the next day you could post a picture which is twice as good or a video which is twice as good and you can get half of that and that's not your fault whatsoever. Yeah. There's only so much that you can leverage mm. your content and your strategy for you to be able to actually grow on a social platform. This goes for all of them actually. Mm. They've all got different algorithms but this goes for all of them. People get so caught up on the engagement side of it. If they don't get say 100 likes within a 10 minute period or a five minute period, they'll delete a post because they think it's not actually gonna perform that well and that they're not being like accepted mm -hmm. within an inst the Instagram community, right? But the thing is if they keep churning out that content, they could quadruple their following if they just looked mm -hmm. at the long-term and not the short-term goal of how many likes an actual photo got because they're scared of you know people thinking that it's low or they're not, you know, in their head, they're not being accepted by the community, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. So it's like authenticity and consistency, and the way the way that I liked how you approached contacting th these different companies was. Do you remember the the post where I think it was like a hotel in Ireland and it went viral when there was an influencer girl trying to do that? That that was like that's like the the kind of cheesy cheap way of doing it. You you did it from like a a marketing perspective, which is like, hey man. Mm. I've got a really large engaged audience that I think would would love to find out more about what you're doing, the Lamborghinis or whatever the hell it is. I think it would be a really good yeah. fit. What do you think? And it's not like a gimme gimme, it's it's a marketing strategy. It's the same way that I would approach uh, a partnership online where it's like, you've got a large audience, I've got this product, so let's work something out in the minute, in, in the middle. Yeah, uh, yeah, it it's, it's exactly well. that. So it influences themselves, people who just have a large following in any niche, are not necessarily entrepreneurs or business people. Mm. So when it comes to actually communicating with people in a certain way to try and leverage their following, they're not able to do so because they're coming across childish or immature or unprofessional because they just see something and they want it, whether mm. it's bad, it could be anything from bad grammar to just potentially being rude. Whereas I'll come across from much more business heavy perspective. And instead of being like, hey, I'm gonna do a post for you on my story and you might get some followers. Yeah. I come across like, hey, if you need any help with social media, please let me know. Then I'll go onto their Instagram page or their Facebook page and I'll see what they're doing wrong. And I'll say, hey guys, just by, you know, as some free advice, I definitely recommend, you know, 
post the next amount of times a day or don't post that type of content, do more of this, use more stories, don't use IDTV, whatever it is for whatever brand. Yeah. I'll give them more value, which is more than just the post. It's yeah. the knowledge and letting them know and giving them the comfort that they're actually making the right choice. Interesting. You know, exchanging value with me, whether it's a car or a hotel, whatever it is. Yeah. So when I speak like that to people, it's a lot better than, hey, do you do collabs? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, a value. Can I have a Lambo? It's a big value. Yeah. I remember the, yeah. the, the Lambo ended up costing me, <laughs> costing me a lot. I remember I was sitting on the beach and then I got a WhatsApp message from you. Saying, oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, Saying, I, was it, it was yeah. It was, it was t- yeah. You sent the first uh, the first speeding fine and the second speeding fine, and then you're like, man, it's it's getting it's getting impounded. And I'm usually very calm with all these different things. I was like, I gotta leave yeah. Dubai. I gotta get the next flight out of Dubai. And I'd heard all the stories <laughs> of them, you know, being quite ruthless. Uh, it freaked it freaked the shit out of me. It turned out that I wasn't I wasn't quite ready to to wrangle the Italian horses of a Lamborghini in the desert. Uh, but I scared, hey, it scared the shit out of me. Very easy. But they helped. It's very easy. Yeah. Yeah. Car. Yeah. Cool. It really does. They actually, yeah. They said they were going to impound it. I was like, that's bad. That's bad news. But then, also your contacts, they helped me get it resolved for a reasonable a reasonable fee. But it was very fun. Yeah, it was, it was quite reasonable. Still, it was a very expensive day. <laughs> but we, we got good video footage out of it. So it was good. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's really interesting. So that's, that's building personal brands. So what about businesses? How should they be thinking about building their, their business profile out? And not necessarily to, to build out these kind of collabs, but to get in front of the right people through, through organic. Yeah, so I think a lot of businesses overthink what they're doing as well um, in terms of the type of content they're putting out. They'll treat it like every single post has to be perfect. But realistically, in the very early stages of growth from someone who's looking to get organic traffic, you, you have to do a few different things. The main one you have to do is you have to see what the most favoritized Instagram feature is. Mm. On any of any app, by the way, even TikTok, they all have different features, but I'm going to you know, just specifically say Instagram. Otherwise, I could talk for hours about each individual features. But um, so, for example, at the moment with Instagram, if a brand wants to grow, if you were to just post still images on Instagram and expect tens of thousands of people to come and see your posts, you are um, you're mistaken. It's very difficult right now. It's the hardest yet the easiest way to grow right now on Instagram because if you use the right features and you know what the right features are, you can leverage that, and if you stay consistent, um, you can do incredible numbers of exposure. Mm. Um, if you just post still images and you're not following what's actually um, the main feature on the platform, you're probably gonna you're gonna struggle. So if you post just images at the moment, I'd highly recommend against it. Um, at the moment, and the time of this podcast being recorded, IG Reels are the number one reason people are growing right now Mm. i've seen businesses go from zero all the way up to twenty thousand followers inside of a month uh, just by posting creative and interesting reels so the reels algorithm runs on a different algorithm to the rest of instagram if you're posting a still image on igtv they'll still run on the same Mm -hmm. but with reels it has and you'll probably see it when you do go on the instagram app it's smack bang in the center at the bottom Mm. the reels logo and they are favoritizing that because that's just what they want to do right now. Instagram is no longer a photo sharing app. The CEO, Adam Masseri himself said, 
it is actually um, becoming more of a short video based app. That's what they're aiming for. Um, obviously going for the the direct competition with um, TikTok, mm. where TikTok has actually done the reverse and went from 60 second reels and now allowing three minute reels. So they're actually wow. getting longer. Everyone's trying to uh, target you know, different type of audiences and different type of content, which can actually be posted. Mm. But yeah, the, the Instagram reels right now is the number one way to grow an Instagram. Um, you can have zero followers per reel with a combination of really good hashtags, end up on someone's explore page on the feeds, and you could potentially get, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40,000 views on a video wow. with absolutely zero followers. And I've done this a few times over to actually test this out because um, well, I wouldn't be a social media expert if I couldn't grow pages myself, right? So um, started a few pages from zero and done a few videos with um, some hashtag strategies that I know that work specifically within Reels. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I was, I was easily able to get six, seven, eight, nine thousand views on, on certain videos with zero followers. So oh. that proves to me that, you know, Instagram are really, really pushing this at the moment. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in terms of organic growth, there's a few things I'd say. The first one is to make sure you have a wide variety of content pillars to start off with. Don't just post the same thing. Um, what are but at the examples? same time, what are, what are some examples of, of pillars? Okay, so for example, let's say um, let's say there's someone in the fitness niche, right? There's a, there's a fitness brand or a fitness influencer. What they could do is instead of just posting pictures of their products, which I know a lot of people do because they they don't know what else to post. What they could do is they could do uh, reels on, you know, 15, 20 second reels on tips and tricks of how to get a six pack. The next one could be how our supplements can fit into your daily routine. The next one could be just product shots and, and um, call to actions of, you know, go go to our shop or link in bio, whatever it may be. Mm. As long as you've got a good variety of content and pillars to start off with, you've then got, and you keep up the consistency of those pillars, that is the key to success right now. Mm -hmm. Utilizing Instagram Reels as the main platform, uh, the main feature of the platform, making sure you have a wide variety of content pillars and the consistency, the amount of times that clients or potential clients come to me and say, hey, Adam, want a million views on this video. I said, okay, cool. I want to make it go viral. Well, the thing is <laughs> no one can decide when something goes viral, otherwise it wouldn't be viral, right? Everyone would be viral and that's, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. So, I have to tell people that with consistency, if you post one reels every single day for 30 days, you've got 30 different pieces of content. I can pretty much guarantee anyone who's watching this right now that they will at least have three to four pieces of, only if the good pieces of content, of course, mm. you've got to do a bit of um, research on your industry and what does well and competitors and see what their views are like and replicate in their type of content. Um, I guarantee you're going to get at least three to four pieces of those content mm. that just completely blow up. Yeah. And it's, now, whether it's that's 20,000. Yeah. Or even yeah. more. It's, it's engineering an environment. It's the same thing when of the concept of luck. It's like you can, you can wait to be lucky or you can engineer an environment where there's a much higher probability that you'll come across luck. And this, this is just consistency yeah. and well-researched pieces of content. Yeah, exactly that. And yeah. I like to look at it and compare it to if someone was to do like traditional Facebook advertising, you run split tests, you run different pieces of content, yeah. you see what works and you double down on it. You're never gonna know what works and what doesn't work organically if you don't spread out your content and see what happens and how people react to it. Mm. Um, 
don't get me wrong, there's definitely other ways of organic growth. That's just one in terms of um, strategy and content. But then there's also other ways such as your influencer collaborations and all those type of things. But yeah, I know you wanted me to specifically talk about the content and the actual organic side of it yeah. in terms of what people are posting. Because I think a lot of people do struggle with that. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's really yeah, helpful. So the, the next bit is something I didn't know about when Adam actually helped blow up one of our accounts. And I was like, all right, let's, let's give this guy a big goal. Let's give, him, let's give him a juicy goal. And I thought it was going to be a big goal. And you're like, I'm on it. And it was almost like with sniper precision, month on month. I think we went up to 50,000 in three months, something like that, from a brand new account. And high mm -hmm. engagement too. So I'm, I'm a performance guy. So I'm, I'm like, all right, I don't just care about the following. I need to know that it's going to result in, in revenue. And, and it did. So a lot of the, actually maybe go over the influencer strategy, like the collabi type of piece where if you want these quantum pieces of growth and you're willing to put budget behind it, how can people be thinking about that tactic? So influencer marketing is not going away anytime soon. It's still in my eyes, very, very new. And the reason I think it's very new is there's so many new influencers and people with, with exposure that are popping up every single day. There's some people, prime example, have, have you seen Squid Games? Have you heard all the hype? Oh, I'm, about I'm watching it at the moment. It's it's and for anyone that hasn't seen it, think of like Tarantino meets Korea in times of gore. It's an, an it's a mind fuck. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So the main girl in it, who was a model beforehand anyway, I think her name's. Oh, I'm not going to say it because I I don't want to get the, it wrong. Is she the young the main, pickpocket one? Which one's she? Yeah, yeah the yeah, young yeah. pickpocket in it, right? Yeah. So um, I think it was around 11 or 12 days ago, she was on around 40,000 followers, I believe, on Instagram. Um, big model, you know, agencies in London, New York, whatever. She goes on the show, Insta you know, obviously started posting on Instagram a lot more. She's just hit 14 million <laughs> followers in days. Her engagement at the moment is roughly anywhere between five to 10 million likes per photo. Wow. And it just shows you the power of it. But anyway, yeah, people are popping up every single day in, in the influencer world. Yeah. I do believe there's two types of influencers. You've got your, your saturated and your unsaturated. Your unsaturated are people who are super effective, who aren't just working with every brand that's thrown, thrown at them, right? So as long as they're promoting a product where they feel comfortable and it's very organic in the way that they're actually pushing it. Um, it's very, very effective to still use influencers in pretty much any niche whatsoever, whether you're an entrepreneur trying to get more followers, a fitness brand, an app company, an e-com brand, 100% worth it. Then you've got your unsaturated, sorry, your saturated. Your saturated ones are what I like to refer to as your Love Islanders and your reality stars who may be just trying to get a quick grab of money and their agents are just pushing money to them and they're just promoting things. And what happens then is if they're promoting five different things a week from mm -hmm. companies that just don't really relate to their personality and who they are as a person. It's very easy for people, you know, audiences are becoming smarter. Followers are becoming smarter. They know when they're being sold to and not just by the hashtag ad, which, which happens every time someone posts an ad. Um, you know, there are, there are more organic ways to do it. But um, that's where a lot of people go wrong because people who aren't very educated on influencer marketing, they'll look for people with big followings who might have some cool pitches, who might have come off a show or whatever it is. But they might get high likes, but they won't actually, that, that never means conversion ever. 
you know, prime example, I had a watch brand a couple of years ago. I paid someone uh, with 700,000 followers, uh, £1,500 for a fee post and a story post. Um, they got zero sales. Wow. Zero. Actually. So for me, that was a big lesson. However, I've done a lot of free advertising and I've sent on behalf of clients sent products out and also my own brands in which I've had as well. I've sent products out and I've had people with 10,000 followers um, with great content make seven, eight, nine, ten 10 sales. Mm. So that's what I mean about vanity metrics. People, it all, it's very relevant in the, in the influencer world as well. Um, it's still super, super effective and more influencers are accessible now and they're going to continue to be accessible. So, yeah. And what's the best um, way to, yeah. to, I guess, think about the right criteria set when we're talking about ensuring they're not vanity? The obvious one is big fat followings and you, I guess you could look at how they probably built their following. How can people find the right ones and think about the right criteria? So. There's a f me myself, obviously, as an organic guy, I, I don't really like using any type of software because I feel like software does create inaccurate information sometimes, and I don't know what their sources are or how they're actually gathering that information. So what I like to do is I like to just do everything organically myself. I like to see who's big in the industry. You know, Google a few people, so you research people in the industry, and from there just go on a massive um research of just who's big in the industry who's popping at the moment mm. how many views are people again how many comments as well people again now i know that's not going to go into um direct sales but then see how loyal their followers are and th this is the biggest key for me and this is a, a great tip for anyone looking to run any influencer campaigns work with influencers that have an omnipresence on multiple platforms because mm. one thing i've realized is when someone makes a big following on instagram it's very difficult to get them to other platforms mm. but if there are on other platforms like TikTok or you know big on facebook or youtube it's very easy to then funnel engaged followers back through to an instagram account mm. interesting i hadn't thought about that yeah i remember you mentioned to me once that it's easy to get from TikTok to instagram or instagram to TikTok. which way was it TikTok to Instagram is a lot easier than Instagram to TikTok. Why do you think it is? What's going on? Newer audiences, younger audiences, more engaged. Um, people on TikTok are a lot more fearless and they don't really care too much where people on Instagram are, if they're brought up on Instagram, will just stay on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so I don't know the full facts and, and the figures behind that, but from personal experience, on behalf of me and the people I've worked with, it's, it's definitely the case. Okay. The gram is a precious. Good old Instagram. Yeah, and that's another one actually while, I'm in it, while, while we're on that subject. If you want to grow an Instagram following, grow mm. a following somewhere else as well. Mm. You know, if you're posting content on IG Reels, mm. post on TikTok. You might be able to cross-pollinate, get people over to Instagram and, you know, the odd vice versa. But um, yeah. And same, same. Could, could you take, I guess with Reels being a direct competitor to TikTok, can you just copy and paste that content across both? Do you yep. find that works? You don't have to tailor it? Yeah, it honestly does. Um, because you can add sounds, you can add stickers, you can mm -hmm. add text, voiceovers. Um, they've got pretty much exactly the same features. So um, it's very easy to, to create. And it's the same aspect ratio. It's 916. Yeah. So the aspect ratio when you're creating the content is very easy to just mm -hmm. post on both, Bang. see what works That's best. Easy. I had a, a little dabble with TikTok where I was on a flight. I think it was London to Kiev, and then there was a, there was someone that refused to wear a mask. It was like a, it was like a classic Karen, <laughs> the ones you always see. But I was like, I'd never seen one in person, and it was 
phenomenal. So she <laughs> refused and refused and refused. And it was worth the flight being delayed. They brought on the security guards and they had to strap her to a mini wheelchair and take her off. And she's just, oh she's just yelling and it was, it was, it was crazy. Everyone's like, is this really happening? So I was like, fuck it. Let's see what happens if I put this on TikTok, put it on TikTok, forgot about it. And it got a hundred thousand views. Oh, wow. Views. I, yeah. And, but it was, it was a bad crowd. It was a bad crowd. They're like, damn, this is yelling at this lady and abusing her. So, uh, yeah, but still, for good and for evil. Yeah. Let me see it. I'll see if I can find it. Uh, but get that many views yeah. is, is incredible. No, yeah. like that's a prime example, you know, yourself, like it takes one thing to go viral. Yeah. But when it does, it's amazing. So that's handy. So build your, build your following on both platforms, focus on reels, get your reels on TikTok, get it going at both, uh, in parallel. That's amazing. So to finish up, man, are there any accounts or brands that people should look at to get some inspiration that are, that are absolutely crushing it? Yeah. Oh man. There's, there's so many that I could mention right now. Um, one of my favorite accounts on Instagram at the moment is the Gymshark account. It really is. They are doing incredible things in terms of the balance between the influencer effectiveness and the content which they're posting, the value which they're giving, and a great balance of actually putting the products in front of people's faces without saying, hey, buy this now, yeah, right yeah. now, because that's what that's one thing I hate. I'll, I'll never do that with any of my clients. I'll never get them to oversell. You've got to build a community. If you're on social media, you're there to build a, a loyal community. If, you're, if you want just sales, okay, go run some Facebook ads. That's fine. You don't need any followings for that. But if you're putting together a strategy and you're treating Instagram like your museum of content and mm. something which represents your brand, mm. yeah. It's, mm. So Gymshark is, is one that I'd recommend everyone to look at. Um, their balance of how they use their features um, is, is absolutely incredible. Uh, let me think of another niche real quick. Um, man, there's so many going through my head. I'm trying to think of a niche that... Do, do you want like an influencer or do you want like maybe, a... Maybe, yeah. So maybe we've got one for business and maybe an influencer that you think is doing it very authentically. We'll add, we'll add your yeah. uh, account in the show notes anyway because you... You've got it down, and then anyone else that yeah, you, you think, think is you think is hitting it right. There's a there's actually a guy um, on Instagram called um, Insta Coach Mike, okay, and he basically just tells people about the new features in which he's uh, putting up, and he's done a very very good job of growing and scaling his account with incredible engagement utilizing reels as much as physically possible, but also selling his products on his main feed. So when you look, you can see that he's obviously sat down, went through his content pillars and said to himself, right, well, I can't just sell to people. Mm. I can't just post reels. Mm. I've got to have a balance to show people that, hey, I've got a product here if you want it. But by the way, look how good my content is. Interesting. Um, that could be anything from aesthetics, colors, um, the, the value of, of content in which people are given out as well. Um, he's really good. I know he grows his account from like zero to I think like 550,000 followers in six months okay. uh, just by using Reels, by the way. Hey. So he's a he's a very good example of someone who's utilized Instagram. And, you know, within the fashion space, I've got friends, uh, a good friend of mine, actually, Carmen. She's, she's very, very good at making incredible content, but also having a great balance of the Reels and showing off her life. And one thing as well is if, if anyone is watching this that might want to be an influencer or might want to show a bit more personality with their brands, 
they need to utilize stories and this is something which a lot of my close influencer circle does within london is they are so open and honest and people relate to the mm. things that are relatable <laughs> right so if someone's talking about something which is very real to them yeah. that kind of breaks the barriers down between it makes you feel like they know you know mm. that the audience knows that influencer or knows that brand or whatever it is right yeah so i'd say be vulnerable on instagram as well specifically on stories because they're only up there for 24 hours and it's not permanent um i think stories are still crazily underutilized like absolutely insanely underutilized um people think that it's all to do with feed posts and it's not mm. it's a incredible consistency with instagram stories as well as instagram reels yeah. um yeah i could list off about a million different influencers right now yeah, so. yeah. but you're right though like the most the most interesting people to follow are the ones that share the good stuff and the bad stuff or just just the real stuff and you're right you, you do actually get to know them and i've met some people where i've followed all their stories and i'm like mate you're the same person you're the same person which is it uh this has been fantastic, man. So how should people get in touch with you? They can just get me on Instagram. Um, I'm, you know, my DMs are always open. Uh, my Instagram is just it's Adam Mark, I-T-S, Adam Mark. Um, anyone that needs any advice or help, um, I'm more than happy to take a little look at people's profiles and help them out and see um, how they can improve. So yeah, um, yeah. DM is definitely my uh, the best option. If it's uh, you know a business looking for a, a big influencer campaign or something like that, then yeah, my email is on my Instagram as well. Perfect, amazing man. So that's it. Thanks so much. Always an absolute pleasure, brother. And I don't know where I'm going to see you next, but it's going to be somewhere good. And hopefully, no speeding. Pretty sure it is, man. We'll work on it. Amazing. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, thank you. That's it for the Grow Shop Show this week. Stay tuned. Plenty more. Bang. Thank you everyone for listening. If you want to find out more about Grow Shop, head over to growth.shop to see how we scale direct-to-consumer brands to 50 million and beyond. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We appreciate everyone's support while we get the ball rolling on The Grow Shop Show. So if you like the episode, share the love with your network. Thanks again and see you on the next one.